Welcome to Series 4 of York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is without question a club legend and someone who regularly features in all-time York City 11s. A skillful winger with an eye for goal, TC as he is affectionately known to fans as, quickly became a fan favourite after signing in 1985. Scoring against Liverpool and Chelsea in his early years at the club elevated his status and this interview covers all of his special moments playing for the Minstermen, which includes the role he played in achieving promotion in 1993. York Hospital Ball is a spin-off from York Hospital Radio. We are a charity and rely on donations. These podcasts are always available to be sponsored by local businesses and or individual supporters. Please get in touch on outside.broadcasts at yorkhospitalradio.com outside.broadcasts at yorkhospitalradio.com or donate via justgiving.com forward slash yorkhospitalradio justgiving.com forward slash yorkhospitalradio but for now please enjoy series four episode one with the legendary tony cannon so certainly an absolute pleasure to speak to someone who, who gave pretty much the whole career to York City. But you, you didn't actually sign professional until you were 25. And I, I just wondered why that was. Why was it so late that you turned pro? That's right. Never really got the opportunity, to be honest. Played local football uh, for a few teams. Started on a Sunday, uh, then went into Saturday. Used to have a Saturday job as a butcher. When I was, when I was 16, started as a, uh, an apprentice butcher. So I played Sunday mornings and went on to uh, playing on Saturdays. But it never happened for me, I suppose. I mean, you know, I played a few games of football, but nobody ever came in for us. Were you applying for sort of trials at clubs and stuff like that? Or, or was it just you were just playing on a Saturday and hoping that, that someone would, would pick you out? Well, I was just playing on a Saturday and Sunday at, at that time. I started Saturdays and then started playing Sundays as well. I suppose I thought when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, up to 20, 21, hoping that somebody would, you know, spot me. But then after that, I, I, I didn't even think about it. I never thought about it. So, so with that in mind, and how, how did it come about that you, you signed for York City? Because you, you originally signed in 1985 on, on non-contract forms, whatever that might be. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, Dan, it could have been the year before. I think it might have been 84. York used to bring a team over to Harrogate Railway, or we used to play for them on Saturday. And it was, a, a you know, a yearly thing we used to play them. Dennis Smith asked me to come and play in reserves. And I think I played maybe two or three games in reserve that that year I think it might have been 84 and then that was it never heard anything else and the year after they came back over again played in a pre-season friendly and York beat them they, they had quite a, a strong side I remember Steve Senior and a few others were playing at that time they bought, bought quite a strong side over and we happened to beat them 3-0 and I got all three so that's how it and then they asked me to come over and play in reserves and I played in reserves almost all that year but that's the year down 85 when York had the run when they played Arsenal and Liverpool yeah. and in between them games, they had a couple of injuries and obviously they wanted to keep the key players. I think they were Walwyn and a couple of others that were, you know, struggling. So it gave them a debut in 85 with Denny Smith as an on-contract uh, footballer. Yeah, I think I played five games, four or five games that year. Yeah, well, I've got it down here that you played in like the old Freight Rover competition and then you scored on your debut versus Brentford. It was a winner in front of 4,000. I mean, you, that must have been a dream come true for you to, to score on your, your kind of home debut. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great. Yeah, going back to the... You just 
or three Man United and going back to the Freight Rover, I remember it now. It was Doncaster away and I think it was snowing. And Doncaster Rovers, is it still was when I played one of the biggest pitches I've ever seen. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's an enormous, well, the old Doncaster pitch it is. It was huge and as, as a an amateur running onto there it, it, I mean the width of the pitch seemed longer than pitches I played on so it was quite a big pitch yeah going back to, to Brentford again went and trained on Friday with all lads Dennis rang me up and said uh, you, you're playing on Saturday so I thought oh great yeah so I went and trained with lads on Friday and uh, yeah I don't know if this again first day half second day half second half second day half obviously I I tired a lot, but yeah, it was good to uh, to get winning goal and an edder, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you mentioned there about the size of the pitch. I presume that was the old like Bellevue ground at Doncaster, wasn't it? What else did you notice was, was like a step up from playing amateur football to, to professional football? Fitness straight away. The, the, the fitness and it were, were that. And uh, obviously the, the touch of a lot of players, you know, control on the ball, just little things like that that you, you do get in amateur football from certain players, but... Majority of players you played against and played with, they all had that half decent touch and you know a bit of vision and that. So yeah, that was that was a step up. But the first, the thing that I really saw were fitness levels. I mean, do you think anyone sort of nowadays would do what you did? Because you know there isn't many people that will turn professional at twenty five, is there? In in this sort of day and age? No, there's not a lot, is there? I mean, Jamie Vardy. I don't know how Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I think he was about twenty two, wasn't he? When he, he sort of twenty two, what he was. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you get a lot like, like that now, Dan. I think because all the schools that come up now they, they seem to get them in a net and sift them all out and they get them at a really young age now so it's yeah it's unusual for anybody to sign on after 22 23 years old I suppose yeah and you, you mentioned there about you know you played a handful of games there and I, I sort of noticed that you, you played again in that Brentford game and you scored the winner you played against Bournemouth to beat them 4-1 the next home game and then lost 1-0 at Millwall which which would have been the old den weren't it which would have been a bit of a baptism of fire and then you were sort of out of the team was that because those players came back back from injury and he, Dennis Smith just wanted you to kind of gradually work yeah. up to the first Team. Yeah, that was it. Was uh, so they, they had they had a, a few injuries, and it was just keeping them players to get back to fitness that I played on them four or five games. Yeah, I mean, I do remember now. You've said the, the the away game at Millwall, which was. Uh, it was the old one where yeah, when you came out behind goal and they had the cage over it. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was an experience because I was taking the corns as well at that time. So yeah, I made more money on that game picking pound what well, corns up that they were throwing than, than I got for winning. Yeah, I actually scored on my debut and scored on second against Millwall because it was an own goal. It actually deflected off me and went in. And then um, you know in those reserves as well, I, I would imagine that Marco Gabbiadini will have been playing for the reserves around that time as well, wasn't he? Gabba's actually signed pro when uh, the first year I was there in 85-86 to be honest and I can't remember I don't think Marco played in them I can't, I'm not too sure to be honest I'm not too sure well, well that, that following season the 85-86 I mean what a season it was was for you personally I mean you started the first game of the season against Plymouth and you scored you got a hat-trick against Darlington I mean, 40 games, 13 goals in all competitions, seventh in the league with a team. But obviously as well, there was a Liverpool game in there, the two Liverpool games that are you know, famous for York City fans. Just talk, tell us about those Liverpool games. What, what was it like for you in, in the build-up when, because I imagine a lot of those players played in the previous sort of year's game, didn't they? Whereas, whereas you hadn't, you know, you must have been buzzing when the draw was made, for example. Oh yeah, one of the biggest teams in Europe at the time, drawing Liverpool. And there was also, if you, well, there was Andy Leaning as well, because Andy and I both played in the same league. I think it was something like a 
year to the day of the replay when we played at Anfield on the Tuesday, Andy and myself were playing, I don't know whether we played against each other that the year previous for Roundtrees and uh, Arrogate Railway, so that were, that were a great step up for me, Andy. It's just anybody's dream to be playing the, these big clubs. But the, the team that they played as well was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how much they'd be worth now, but worth, worth a lot of money. But they build up to it, got the draw, you know, a great draw for us. I think that the game before we played Liverpool... Uh, we played Derby away and we, we got beat and I actually I think I got dropped for that game and he brought Keith he brought Uchi and Keith Houchin and so I would have been I didn't know whether we were going to be playing at Anfield or not to be honest first game against Liverpool but I think we got beat we got beat that game by Derby and it, it changed it back round and so so I played in that game but the build up were great yeah it was absolutely brilliant the training and everything knowing you're playing a big side and I, I, obviously the pitch were a weather for them <laughs> I mean the pitch were yeah. definitely a weather yeah and we mentioned before about you know the step up from uh, amateur to, to professional football what, what was the step up like to play in Liverpool likes of Dalglish and Hansen and Lawrenson and, and all those I mean it, again what was the difference stepping up to playing those like well like I just said Dan the, the, the pitch obviously brought it down a level but you could tell the quick thinking of them the, you know the know where the other the players are I mean the touching them when you get to them the touch is absolutely superb not very often even on them bad pitches that they had that they the ball's going to bounce away from them. The passing, the movement, just everything about it. I think that we just the, that hungry for it. The, the pitch were on our side. We had a great crowd behind us that day. We were all up for it. To be fair, Dan, we were unlucky. We were unlucky because, it, you know, they got a penalty and Steve Senior actually got pushed in back and that's how his hand flicked up and he gave the penalty that Mulby scored. But yeah, I, I don't think it should have been a penalty. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I've it was before my time when, when this game was on, but I've, I've watched it on YouTube back a few times recently and I had to rewind it I really couldn't see what the penalty was given for and I still can't yeah. to this day and obviously we'll get on some other disallowed controversies against Liverpool in a minute with a, with a replay you mentioned about the pitch but but you seem to in that game again on the highlights you can see the early doors you're happy to have a bit of a run at Liverpool's defence and, and have quite a lot of success was that just confidence that you kind of come from Harrogate Railway and, and you're just buzzing with confidence like we mentioned before about the season that you were having anyway yeah that's that's just what it was Dan I mean I, I knew before the build up to the game you know I was not necessarily going to be greedy greedy but I knew that if I got the ball I wanted to, to see how good and try to take them on and yeah the first run that you're talking about were quite one of them I think a couple of their players slipped and made it look a bit better of a run but yeah I thought every time I get the ball I was going to try to take Lawrence and on or you know or, or whoever was there so yeah it was just yeah full of confidence really you know don't be scared I mean I didn't feel nervous at all I just felt excited all the time so it would just go out there and enjoy it because back in them days as well the, the FA Cup definitely meant more to players didn't it and like you said about Liverpool's team if it was this day and age you'd probably send a a kind of youth team or reserve team, wouldn't they, to, to play little old York City? But in yeah. those days, the FA Cup was a, a major trophy, wasn't it? And everyone put their strongest team out. That's right, yeah. I think everybody just, I mean, the FA Cup, I think it's the best best cup competition in the world. And we're definitely one of them. I still believe it is still watching up these days, the FA Cup. But yeah, yeah, the, everybody put a strong side out. And, you know, the, just the York, the York crowd, the York people just up for it. I think they were just coming back, you know, hoping that we could do it again at Bolton, which we did and you know not not get the seven not rubbing over at Anfield well that was it you know coming coming to the replay when it went to a replay were a lot of those players in the dressing room thinking oh no not again you know after the, after the previous season or, or was there a bit of a determination there that actual fact we you know we've given them a good game today and controversial penalty against us in the end and you know what, what was the feeling in the dressing yeah, room yeah obviously the, we were all delighted that we'd got a draw and we were going back to Anfield because we knew a few of the lads like you said played that year, year previously but for myself and Andy O'Bolton 
the events and Andy leading and, and me that that was just going to be some just something so special for us for us as amateurs the year before going going over there but yeah I think I think majority of them just thought let's let's try keep it down to five or six <laughs> let's just not get beat by seven but we we don't know we, we knew we had it we had a chance with them because we had some good players that year. And then a couple of years when I was there, they had some really good players. You know, just just tell us about that away game, man. What what was it like, kind of walking out on the tunnel that this is Anfield, sort of above yeah. you, and and just tell us about that, and then then tell us about your goal. What what, what your well, memories are of it? Well, the memories of going to Anfield. My first my first one is obviously a, a lot bigger crowd than usual as you're driving up to the game. I always remember driving through the uh, famous gates. Uh, you'll never walk alone, yes. And then just the layout of it inside and the changing room, just, you know, very professional. And then going down on the pitch, like you just said, down that, that Anfield sign, this is Anne, welcome to Anfield. And then the buzz that I got going out on the pitch, and there weren't many people there, you know, an hour and a half before we were walking onto the pitch, but it was just something special. It was just like a billiard table. I've never seen it like it in my life. And when you stood, I mean, I've been in big stadiums to watch games, but when you actually stood there in the middle looking around, it, it just looked absolutely enormous. Yeah, we had a good team talk before. I mean, Dennis and Viv were great to me when I went there, and you know they just put some belief in us. You know, we we could play. And to be fair, we played really well. I think John Walk scored first, didn't he? And I think he got an hat trick the year before. And when he scored first after I don't know how long, maybe first fifteen minutes, thought, oh, here we go again. But we held out. We held out. We played really well. And I, I remember Andy having a having a good day. I, I remember one thing. I'll, I'll tell you this down. I remember one thing. We were defending a corner at the cop end, and I were on one at post, and obviously Andy winning goals, and their crowd were obviously. The second half of this when they were attacking cop I always remember turning around to Andy and just saying a bit different from a year ago listen it mate it was just unbelievable yeah so it was, it was actually a corner to them and I would out at box I think I think he got played out to I think it was Simon Mills and Mills he played a cross ball to me out left I think we just in our half or halfway line cut inside and I actually shot from maybe I don't know 25-30 yards but it was a really weak shot <laughs> and I actually turned away to get back to my position as I was running back I saw the York supporters behind goal jump up and turn around and it was that time when Grobler were letting them in left right and centre <laughs> whether he'd whether been paid or not I don't know it were uh, he should have saved it that, the atmosphere then the, the buzz was that because it was just before half time it was literally a couple of minutes before half time which, which really set us up for the second half then so, so was Dennis Smith at half time and saying you know like, we can go on and win this and you know make names yeah, for yeah, yeah, he was giving, yeah he was giving us all the confidence there just to play as we've been playing I remember Stevie Senior and Ford who were having a good game on their side and Walwyn were causing them all sorts of problems up front with Big Key so yeah we, we were playing well first half second half I think we, we played even better second half and then you know we're going to go on to the famous disallowed goal that should never have been disallowed and, and somebody sent a link not long ago I think it was a Mark Lawrenson link that interviewed him and I mean everybody I mean even Lawrenson said that that goal he said to this day I don't know why it were disallowed it was a long ball over the top Big Keith were running for it Anson and Grobler left it for each other but Big Keith you know a big bustling lad he walked he just went straight for it and he actually got his foot to it took all three of them out but he got his foot to it and it, it rolled in but should never have been disallowed never been disallowed how did you feel in the dressing room afterwards when, when you'd gone on to lose 3-1 then knowing that, that Keith's goal should have stood was it was it pride that you'd, you'd come away and you hadn't been beat 7-0 and it, you were so close or, or were you all frustrated and kind of annoyed that, that really you should have been going through we were definitely disappointed because we definitely should have that, that goal shouldn't have stood so we, you know in a sense we, we were disappointed uh, I mean we were pleased with the way we'd played throughout the 90 minutes extra time it, it told on us to be fair Dan it told us on a bit I mean 
I went up left with Dirty Code, and they had Sammy Lee bombing up and down right. And just when it got to extra time, they off, they took Sammy Lee off and put Craig Johnson on over another <laughs> flyer. So that was the last thing me and Nuddy wanted to see in extra time. But I remember uh, Uchi, Keith Ochin saying uh, the second goal that Molby scored. I think it was second goal Molby scored. I, th- I remember. Keith out in changing you know, them saying as afterwards Mulby got ball and probably got it about 40 yards out cut inside 35 and Keith Outing says to him go on then hit it and he did and it went right top gone from about 35 yards and I think then Dag Lee scored didn't he about five minutes after so we were 3-1 down at first I think seven or eight minutes at extra time and I thought well you know this could be about another seven or eight but we battled on and we stuck in and we, we played well we got a great ovation off Liverpool supporters as well I mean, that must be special sort of memories to, to think that oh, Liverpool fans were, were, were doing that as well because obviously yeah. at the time they'll have been absolutely dominant one in Europe and and their home. Yeah, I think they did double that year as well, didn't they? Beat Everton in Cup final that year. I'm sure they did when, when they beat us in first down. But yeah, it just I'm a football supporter anyway, and like you said, Dan, I didn't sign on till the year before. So I mean, I was like a big kid, and I admit it. I went in players bar afterwards, and I got every one of Liverpool's autographs. I met my wife, and my mum and dad were there, and we had a really, really special night. Yeah, we're good. I've still got that program as well, all signed from Liverpool players. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you, you mentioned before about about um, Keith Walwyn. Just tell us what he was like to play with. Like I say, I've never seen him play, but my, my dad goes on and on about about Keith, and obviously I hear what other people said about him and read about him. But but from a player's point of view, what what was he like to play with? Oh, he was a great, a great target man. A great target man uh, with Keith. I mean, he was a big strong lad as well and he had pace yeah yeah he had quite all the big kick but brave never seen anyone as brave as him he, he would throw himself into everything there weren't many in fact i, I don't think there'd been anybody in them leagues divisions that were looking forward to playing against keith plus he had that you know he was a goal scorer as well he, you know he scored lots and lots of goals but yeah he had a good touch he could lay it off but you know if you threw that ball into a box you know he was going to be there and thereabouts and they were going to make sure that goalkeeper and both centre-halves knew that they were there as well he was, he was a good player to play with yeah did that give you a lot of confidence as a winger you know knowing that he was that good in the box that you, that you, you knew if you put it in a certain area that it would end up in in a goal or a chance being created. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he made, he made us wingers look good as well because sometimes it might have been, a, like I was saying, we were brave. He'd put not such a good crossing, but Keith would throw himself there and he'd make sure he get, got there, you know, making it look like you'd put half decent crossing. He, he was a good, he was a good, strong lad, yeah. He was a great bloke to top it all as well. The following season was, was a poorer season for the club in terms of, you know, I think they came fifth bottom, but, but for you personally, 36 games, 11 goals, you know, again, you, you, you're proving yourself at the, at the level. And the early season highlights must have been, you know, the Sunderland away performance performance where you won 4-2 I think I, I saw you quoted somewhere that you said that was one of your best ever games for York City and I think Keith Owens got yeah. a hat trick that night what's your memories of that game the memories of that game is that as a team we, we absolutely outclassed them and played re- right across the park we played really well Keith got his hat trick but yeah like I said and I, I, had, I had a really good game that, that day um, I think it was Frankie Gray that were the ex-Leeds player in Scotland who were marking me then and to be fair I, I, you know, I took him on a few times and beat him most times so I had a really good game yeah and the, the team played well. We played well all all over the park. You know, you'd have thought that we'd have been in their division and they were in the lower division that day. And then, then obviously the next round, I think it was that you, that you played Chelsea as well. And again, you get, you get the winner there. But around that time, you, you must have had clubs being interested in you, surely, because you know, like like I said, I reeled off your, your kind of stats there. The first two seasons you were at, at York City, 
I mean, they, they must have stood up with, with any winger in, in that league. Well, I, I do remember, I, I remember reading, but whether it's, it's, it's right or not, no, I don't know, but I do remember reading after the Sunderland game that Bobby Moncur, who at that time was Newcastle manager, were interested in and been to watch it a couple of times, but nothing came of it. But, I mean, there might have been inference, but Dennis Smith never said no, so, so no, I, I never heard out, I never heard out uh, from any other clubs, to be fair. Because Dennis took quite a lot of yacht players with him to Sunderland, didn't he? And I also wondered whether he might have made a cheeky bid for yourself. Who knows? <laughs> he didn't. He never told me. But the, the season that Dennis went to uh, Sunderland, I think we were early '86, '87, might have been end of that year. Southend came in for us. I do, I do remember that because. Oh, Jesus, that was, you can't get much further than Southend. <laughs> they, they came in for us. But I also got a phone call from Bobby Gould. I just got back from holiday. We've been on holiday in Portugal. And I got a, a phone call from Bobby Gould asking me if I wanted to join him. I said, to be fair, it's a bit far to go. It's Bristol. He says, have you not heard? I'm not manager of Bristol. manager of Wimbledon. I said, no, no, I didn't know. So I agreed to meet him down. I killed two birds with one stone, to be fair. I, met him, I went to Southend. Spoke to Southend. I was never going to sign for Southend anyway, but because on the way back coming through London's King Cross, I went to an hotel and met, met Bobby Gould and had a good chat with him. But it wants a bit, and I mean, I went to an estate agent's, which was a big mistake for me. I went to an estate agent's because I was there a couple of hours before just to have a look at prices of houses down Wimbledon. Where, and geez, no, they could have given me whatever I wouldn't have been able to afford it anyway. <laughs> I mean, the contact were a good contact, but it, it, won't, uh, it won't a promise of first team football. It was a squad member, and they were giving me quite a big to play. So if I I've been playing. Plus, both my daughters had just started school, just where I lived, and I didn't really want to be up six to be fair. So, I mean, it played in my in my ball game as well because I got a, a decent contract from York, so I went out of contact as well. But I mean, York went down that year and what happened to Wimbledon in '87? Don't FA Cup, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Strange old game. Yeah, you mentioned there about you know York getting relegated. That was obviously the end of Smith and, and Busby. Walwyn and Ford left at the same time as well. Was that just too big a void to kind of fill? Really, once once that caliber of people were leaving the building. <laughs> I think it was, yeah. You know, they, they were hard people to, to replace, the ball winning. And Gary Ford had been there since he was about 15, 16. And I thought Gary was a great player. I mean, he got a good move to Leicester. I thought he was a great player. He had a great right foot. He had a good touch. He could cross it. He maybe could have scored a few more goals, could Gary. But, you know, he, he was a great player to, you know, like you say, Walwyn and, and, and Fordy were hard players to, to replace at that time. Because you were injured most of that season, were you? I think you only, only played about 13 games. That must have been really tough to watch from the sidelines. You know, you'd had, you know, a couple of seasons of... of Real big successes there at York City, and then then you kind of you're injured probably. I imagine for the first time long long term, yeah. and but probably the only time I remember in your York City career that you had a long term injury. Yeah, it was that the year when Bobby Saxton took over. Dan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I actually pulled off. Thought I'd pulled a muscle in my left thigh in pre-season training. It went on for a while. It obviously wasn't a pull, but it, you know I couldn't train 100 percent, and and it was niggling. It was niggling away, and I kept I, I kept playing on a bit, niggling, but then. I, I got a lump at the top of my leg that was swollen up and I went to see a specialist. I went over to York Hospital and brought a specialist to tick ground to have a look to see how I was running on that. And they actually, when, when I found out, they thought I'd got a, a tumour at the top of my leg, which were obviously would have been a concern. Took me straight in and operated. And when they operated, they found that my, my thigh muscle had snapped and it had rolled up. So that was, that's what the ball was. It had snapped some of it. It had all frayed, so they had to stitch it all back together. And the only the only disappointing thing about that is when I got to go into hospital the week before I went to hospital, we drew Leeds United, my own club, and I couldn't play at Ellen Road and we drew one and all down at Ellen Road. That must have been really, really good in for you. I sat on bench here and couldn't play because I, I was going to for a nopping, I think it was the day after. So yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment not being able to play down at Ellen Road. 
do, do you think you would have helped the team possibly stay up then if you, if you had been fit for that season, based on the fact that you know you were getting into double figures with goals? I'd like to have thought I'd have, you know, maybe got 10 or, 10 or 12 goals there and you know, a bit more experience and that. Yeah, it would, I mean, it would disappointing going down first time ever being relegated. So, you know, it would really what a disappointing season for players and obviously for everybody in club and mainly. Like, and why did you think it went, went wrong under Saxton so much? Was it, was it just because of those people that, that left before he came out? I think, I think I remember reading somewhere that he only had a couple of players under contract at the start of the season. Yeah, I think they had two, two or three. I think you're right. I think they only had two or three who were contracted then who would signed on. I think it went hard for Bobby because just he, he had to get players in. He didn't have a lot of time to get players in. And I think the type of players Bobby were trying to get in because he'd been at Blackburn for so long. I'm not sure because we'd been relegating a lot of players didn't want to come down to the fourth division as it were then. So difficult for Bobby then to try and get the players that he wanted to get in. He was a good coach with Bobby. He knew his stuff. They were, they were a funny bloke as well. I'm sure he was good, yeah. And then the following season, you, you kind of came back and picked up where you left off, didn't you? I think 40, 40 games, nine goals. Did, did you feel over your injuries quite quite quickly then? Because some players can take a bit of time to recover from a long-term injury, can't they? It seem, seems like, obviously, just reading the stats, that you kind of just picked up where you left off. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they got it stitched up and got it back in and, you know, it got back into training and, and year after, you know, got stronger and, and stronger and... Uh, Felt okay, yeah. I mean, Touchwood, like, yeah, I've never really suffered from injuries. That one good thing, and you know, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to recover from them so much because I, I didn't, I didn't get injured too much. I think I got injured. I think I pulled my me, me hamstring against Brighton a few few seasons later, and I'll probably out for seven or eight weeks there. But yeah, they were the only long injuries that, that I had in my 10, 11 year. Yeah, because you, you kind of carried on being a mainstay in the team until probably ninety two, ninety three, when you sort of. Started on the fringes that season, didn't you? Under, under John Ward, I think Ian Blackstone was sort of playing ahead of you. Was that frustrating, or, or did you sort of accept that you know you were a little bit older and, and the team were doing so well that it was just really difficult to get back in? Exactly right, and it, you know the team's winning. You're not going to put you, you're not going to get back in. It's as simple as that. And to be fair, Blackett was another goal scorer. He was a big, strong lad. But a great move for, for John Ward, not for me, but a great move for the club for him to put Ian Blackstone on up wide left because he played up front with Blackie, but he scored a few goals. He were, it was good. I think what they did about it, it played Blackie for an hour, an hour and hour and ten minutes, and then bring me on. If like I say that that's that season they, were, they got off to a great start and won most of the games, and then he just put me on there to you know to strengthen it up a bit and defend a bit. Was Blackie were good going forward, but he wasn't the best getting back on Blackie. Yeah, because I think I remember reading somewhere that you, you sometimes played left back, didn't you, on on odd occasions for York City? I play. I think I played two or three times. It were. I remember it was Brentford, is it? On my team that I made my debut against. We were travelling down, and uh, Gina Wayne Hall fell ill. I we were stopping over on Friday, and Wayne fell ill. I think he was on on coach going down, and Al Al Little pulled us in and said, "Wayne's not playing. Do you want to play left back?" And I had to play it. To be honest, I had to play it anyway. So I said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." I, I had a decent game, but when I had Stanley inside me as well, Paul Stankley, who were who were brilliant. Paul Stankley for talking and that. It were you could could see he played it. He played it at an eye level, so that was good to have. To have Paul at side of us, you know, telling us exactly how to cover and that. But yeah, I think I played three games. I quite enjoyed it. I wondered whether I thought you were going to maybe say, "Oh, oh, I played left back at Harrogate Railway a few times," you know. But yeah. it wasn't. It was just that you just, oh yeah, I'll give it a go and happy yeah. to play. It sort just, of. Yeah, it was because Wayne had fallen ill, and I don't. Whoever we took as fifteenth or man, whoever what, can't have been a, a defender or like I said, I had to play it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you forced your way back into the team, didn't you, in January? And I think you only missed one game as the club got to Wembley for the second half of that season. Were you sort of told that if once you came back in, that if you were playing well, you'd stay in the team, or did you? Were you no. more determined when when you got that chance? 
Well, obviously, I would determine. I mean, I always, I've always given hundred percent, and I always will do, and I always have done. So, you know, when when I got back in, I, it was just the same old term, old year, my hundred percent, and we, we happened to be on a good run at the same time. And like I said before, he'd moved in up from to. I think it was I think it was John Bothwick who might have missed out. I think Both might have got dropped for the game or whatever, and I think they must put Ian up front and me back on left wing and. We must have won whatever games and I stayed in for the rest of the season then. Definitely determination. I knew we were going somewhere that year. We were all playing well. And Paul Barnes up front were, I mean, he just turned that club around with goals that he got in Barney. Yeah, and, and again, that's kind of probably similar to your to experience with Keith Warwin that you kind of knew as a winger that you if you put it in a certain area that even if it wasn't the best ball, you know, Paul Barnes was such a great finisher, wasn't he? Hey, oh, I, yeah, he was. I mean, you'll get, if Barney ever got one on one with Keith, you know, you knew for a fact that they were going to score with Barney. Because he didn't just let fly, he struck it and he placed it in. Yeah, he, he, he made some great runs, some superb runs. Uh, yeah, a great finish with Paul Barnes, yeah. Was that kind of apparent as soon as you sort of met him in pre-season and were you thinking before the season started, wow, you know, he's really pulled out a good sign yeah. in here, John Ward? You can tell the first couple of weeks when they're in training and uh, when you do the shooting finishing, uh, I mean, it, you, you could see he was a great he were, he were a great finisher. He had a good touch and a great finisher. You could tell that he were it was going to be a good asset. And, and just, just move. Let's move on to, to Wembley, the final against Crew. Again, what what was that like? We've talked about Anfield, about you, you coming out. I mean, do you think you appreciated Wembley more because you were slightly <coughs> older at that point, or that, you know, how, what was your memories of, of oh, kind of walking out at Wembley? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, what, what coming up to thirty three, then playing at Wembley. It's any footballer's dream to play there, whether you're playing for the first division, fourth division, or what. It, it is. It's getting through that that bury game. Was so emotional for, for me personally when the final whistle whistle blew and I got back in at change room. It was so I was so emotional there, knowing that you know thirty three year old we'd got there. From then on, it was you know it was a big build up you know throughout the city from the fans and that the training obviously were great. And if I remember right, I think after we'd played that game, I think we had quite a gap before we played because one of but it made sense. Somebody dropped out league that year, and I think we didn't play games. I think we had quite a big gap before we we played again up to to Wembley. I think if, if I'm right, actually. Uh, uh, but yeah, the Wembley experience was brilliant. Uh, all from the training the week before. Went down and stayed halfway between London and York, I think, and then moved on the next day. But yeah, we had, we, we had a great laugh. <laughs> we did have a good laugh. One of the first podcasts I did was with Andy McMillan and he said that you and Nigel Pepper were sort of interviewing people on the bus with a camcorder or something and there's still That's a right. hunt, hunt out for the, this, uh, these lost Wembley tapes and there's been a couple of sort of false false dawns about whether it still exists but um, do you remember recording those? Oh, it still exists. It still exists. I've got, I've got it. Uh, oh, right. There we go. The search is over. Yeah. I think if I'm right, I think Andy McMillan brought it. I think he borrowed it off his father-in-law. Andy wasn't using it, so I, uh, I just kind of borrowed it, Andy, and that was it. Never, I didn't give him that till Sunday, I don't think, so he never had a chance. But I wanted to make it an experience for myself. And, and the interviews that I did, some of them were comical, some of them were a bit, but, but quite a few of them were, you know, that I, you know, I, wrote, I wrote questions down, and I went into the lab rooms and asked them questions. So it's, it's quite a good video, yeah. I wanted to remember every part of that trip. Every part because that was going to be the pinnacle of my career, or that going down to Wembley and playing, and hopefully winning, which we did. So I made the best of it. I was, you know, interviewing board members, Paul Stanley. I remember getting a good interview off Paul Stanley and Barney. Went and so yeah, it, it, it was good. And then me and Pep did me and Pep did his own interview in, in his room with each other. So it was good. Yeah, that tape is still there, but it's, I've, I've heard a few people uh, are after it, so I'm have to put a good price on that. 
Yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> and you mentioned about creating memories and obviously one of them could a bit of a could have been moment was uh, the shot that hit the bar from you early in the, you know, I think it was after about 20 minutes, wasn't it? In yeah. the first half. What, what's your memories of that? Because you sort of cut in, didn't you? And, and yeah. sort of let fly from it. It'd have been a hell of a goal if it had gone in, but it cannoned off the bar. Well, I knew exactly what we were going to do because it it Neil Lennon actually gave the ball away. He was trying to pass it to right back and gave it to me. And I knew exactly what we were going to do when I cut inside and yeah, maybe six, seven inches too high. But what I do remember is a coach load of lads came down from my local club here to watch us. And one of them had, had a, yeah, I think he did either a five or a ten or a metre score first goal. So he wasn't happy with me when he saw me. You did your best there did, to Scotty. Uh, another kind of memory from there was, and, and recently I spoke to John McCarthy, and he had that amazing run, didn't he? The last minute of normal time where he, he kind of, uh, or it might have been in the last minute of extra time, where he, he ran pretty much the full length of the, of the pitch, didn't he, John McCarthy? And he should have passed it to you, yeah. yeah. And he, he said that to me. He said, oh, if, if you speak to Tony, he'll tell you that I should have passed that yeah. ball. I mean, you'd done well to kind of catch <laughs> up with him, really, hadn't you? You should have done, yeah. No, it was a great run. It was a great run. And it, it, was, it was a last kick of the game. Extra time, the very last kick at game. But John had a good, John had a good game. I mean, he, he tortured him down that right wing. John had, he had a couple of really good chances. I think he hit post as well. He had, he had a couple of the, uh, couple of good chances. Yeah, I think I, after about 15, 20 minutes, I, I remember turning out the way and all and saying they, they, they don't fancy this today, don't crew. And we were a lot better side than them on day, a lot better side. And when you look at their semi final, I think they got through something like seven two or eight two on aggregate, and they were a really good football inside. As Daddy Agrada. They had quite a few players, didn't they, in their team that went on to bigger things? They had about four or five of them that went on to play. You know, yeah, I think Ash- Ashley Ward went and played in the Premier League, didn't he? And Neil Lennon, Ashley like you said. Yeah, there, were, there, were, there were a few of them that, that went on to play. Yeah, I just don't remember for 15, 20 minutes that they don't want this when you know, we're up for this and we're going to beat them. Yeah, and of course, obviously, that, that, the cruel handball uh, against it's Steve Tuttle as well. And uh, what, what were you thinking when that, when that happened? Were you, were you thinking, like you say, you felt that Crew were up for it, but that was kind of like a lifeline for Crew, wasn't it? To get back oh, into the game. Yeah, it, well, yeah. It, well, I, I mean, I don't even think Tuttle knows why he did it. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I don't, it only just come out being on long, I didn't even. Maybe, maybe that was it, not, not being uh, maybe adjusted to the yeah, game or something, you know, if you've just come on a sub. You know, we maybe. mentioned there about, about you running the full length to sort of catch up with John McCarthy to, for him not to pass the ball. So you must have been shattered at the end of extra time and, and, and making that run, but I presume you volunteered to take a penalty. We'd done them before. We'd done them the week, week up to we knew five what? We knew the week in training before we knew which five players were going were gonna to take them, so we'd already sorted that out. And, and did you but, know yeah, which, I mean, which side you were going to take it? And, and did, did I, knew, you I, I, knew, I knew where we were going to put it, exactly where we were going to put it. Unfortunately, it went in. But I mean, if you, if you watched you know, the penalties, their keeper went right way every time, apart from Ginners, I think. I think, I think he, he went, went the right way, didn't he, for, for Ginners, but he was right in the corner, got, wasn't he? I remember Barn, what it Barn is, it's a, and it, 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 it keeper on knee. I mean, that was, that was just deflected off knee and went in. I think his was the worst penalty, wasn't it? <laughs> well, no, they're all good penalties that go in that one. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do, where do um, Paul Barnes and John McCarthy sort of hold up in, in terms of your, your kind of all-time 11 that you played with at York City? Would, would they be in there? That's a difficult one, and simply because of the players that I've mentioned. Paul Barnes and Walwyn, two different players, both goal scorers, but in different ways. And then you've got John McCarthy and Fordy. John McCarthy would have, I mean, John McCarthy could, could go around people and his pace took him past people. Fordy would have a totally different... And that, that, out of them two, that would be a difficult one. That would be a difficult one to choose out of them who, who I'd have out of them. 
Don't worry, I'll, I'll let you stay on that fence. Um, so, 93, 94, you, you, uh, you played much more, didn't you? And, and I wondered whether the, the sort of 5-0 win at Blackpool was potentially the, the peak for that, that kind of side that Alan Little had there. And, and you scored in that game, didn't you, at Bloomfield Road, I think. I think, yeah, I think we what a year before we beat them, same as well, 5 0 or a year. It was after, a year after, I think. Yeah, I think we did them 5 0 on both occasions over there. When Alan took over from John, it were, I mean, he'd been there a long time with Alan with John, with John Bird as well. I mean, John Bird were good cop, bad cop. I mean, they were good coaches, both of them. But it, it was easy for Alan, because he'd been with us so long, to take that mantle over from John Ward. I mean, John Ward, you could tell it was a different class. You could tell it, it, uh, coached at an higher level with uh, Graham Taylor and that, but he was great. Uh, he'd talk you through everything. He'd, he'd leave it up to you with your decision. If you made the wrong decision, be careful. If you made it again, then you'd be off. That'd <laughs> be one of them. You'd, you didn't learn from it. So John Ward were, were meticulous in that and the training that he did through and the tactics were, were absolutely superb. He, it, he definitely changed that club when John Ward when John Ward came. But then when, when he left and Alan took over, Alan just carried on in that mantle. I mean, Alan would have, he was a good friend as well over Alan. He was, he was a strong, strong bloke and uh, he had a lot of respect from players. The playoff defeat as well. You mentioned before that you, you felt, you know, with Wembley that it might have been your, your last chance to play at Wembley. I mean, obviously you got so close again, didn't you, the following season with that sort of last gasp, gasp defeat against Stockport. Yeah, I, I, I seem to remember their keeper had a blind of a game at our place. He had, an, he, had a, he had an absolute, pulled off some great saves as and we probably should have beat them. Two or three at our place. And then, yeah, like you say, I think it will last five or six minutes. That I think Stanley slipped as well. If you watch it again, when they give it, I think it was Beaumont. Paul Stanley slipped as they were going to tackle him and one-on-one and he put it away. So, yeah, that would, dis- that would disappoint him not to get there again. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the season after, which turned out to be your last season at the club, again, you know, you played all the key games that season, you know, against Birmingham, uh, where I think you scored as well in a 2-0 win. Yeah. That was in front of like nearly 7,000 at Boone Crescent, beat Huddersfield 3-0, beat Blackpool again 5-0. But you were released at the end of the season. How were you told? And, and that must have been, I know you were a little bit older, but it must have still been a big shock considering that you played so many games that season. Yeah, I suppose it was a shock. I mean, obviously, you're getting older, you're thinking... I think I had, I had an inclination of it when uh, I won at last ones to go in to take Gaffer. So that's a bit of an inclination when you when you won at last ones to go in. But Alan definitely wanted to keep me. But it were it were upstairs that uh, a certain person upstairs, chairman, I think it was, who didn't want to keep me for whatever reason, I don't know. We didn't, we didn't really get on. You know, we'd had a couple of clashes... You know, pitch on and pitch off because it, I mean everybody's everybody's entitled to their opinions. But he used to come out with a lot of rubbish sometimes when you were playing and shouting at, at, at players. Uh, like I say, I mean supporters, you know, they're entitled to what they think they pay the money and that. I mean, I know chairman's chairman, he's got the money, but for his own players, he used to yeah, he went out of order a few times. So we didn't really get on. I think that's. I guess you you would have played down that side, weren't you, where the board of directors were sitting? <laughs> yeah, as, as well. okay. you could probably you could probably hear it a bit more than there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you feel a little bit let down? I mean, you, you know, you, you look at it for over four hundred senior appearances at that time. You were it was you were fifth on the all time list. Were you a bit sad that, that the way it kind of ended like that? Particularly, oh, like yeah. I say, you were in the team. It wasn't like you were kind of out of yeah. the team, and it wasn't a shock. You know, you like I say, you played all the key matches that season. Yeah, it, we, we did, it really, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed. I can't say I want to disappoint. I had a great 11, well, 10 pro seasons, 11 seasons with me non-contract there. But yeah, it, 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 it was a disappointment not, not to get another contract. 
I know that Alan wanted to keep me. I know because I, I spoke to him since I spoke to him a couple of years ago, and uh, he definitely wanted to keep me. But that's football, and that's how it goes. You know, I had, a, I, had a, I had a great time there. I mean, I had a great time with the fans, I and mean, the fans were brilliant with me. The all the time that I were there, I had a great rapport with them. Uh, I think the likes, the style of play that I played, you know, I'd take people on all time. So. Yeah, I had a really good... The fans were brilliant with, for me. And, and you ended up going on to Hartlepool, didn't you, after, afterwards for a season? Was that... That must have been really weird, considering that you've been <laughs> at York City so long to then go to another club at, like you say, were you about 35, I imagine, about the time. Yeah, that, that was only by chance as well, because I'd got my testimonial sorted out, and I were actually ringing Keith Alchin up to ask him if he, if he could play my testimonial, which he couldn't, because he were up in... Who, he was with Hartlepool, who were going to be in Scotland with Hartlepool on pre-season. And he was just asked how, how we were going on. And I said, oh, I've been released. And he said, oh, I didn't know. You, you've not put your name. Because when you get released, you, you can put your name out so the clubs can see if it's not. But I would, like you said, I know, 35, 36. And I thought, you know, I, I'm too old now anyway for anybody to come in for me, as I thought. But Keith said, no, I had seen you. And I said, I put it, I put it anywhere. I'd actually give verbal, <laughs> I'd give a verbal agreement to... to uh, to John Bird, that was it. I'd give a verbal agreement to John Bird at time for Halifax because he'd give us a contract there and get us a job as well, which is one thing you, you don't want to do to John Bird because he was an hard fella. Uh, but he understood that. I, I spoke to Keith and Keith said, do you fancy playing for Hartlepool? Well, I said, well, just depends what's what. So I met him at Weatherby Hotel and signed on that afternoon. But then I had, I had to ring John, John Bird up and tell him that John was great. He said, look, I understand, Tony, you've got another year in professional football. So, yeah. So I, I had a year, year with Hartlepool, which would have, that was a tough year. Tough year for everybody with Keith and that because they had no money and they had a lot of young youngsters playing uh, that, that season. They had a, there was uh, probably seven or eight of them were 17, 18-year-olds. So, yeah, it was a difficult season. And, and on that season as well, Dan, I had two long periods out with knee ligaments. Like you said, I'd gone through all my career. Yeah, yeah. Out for, probably for about three or four months there with the knee. I'd, I'd done my knee, ligaments in my knee twice. After that, I presume you, you, you went back into non-league football, didn't you? Did you play for Harrogate Railway again? Is that, is that right? I went back to Harrogate Railway, yeah. Yeah, I went back to Harrogate. Yeah, I was going to sign for Harrogate Town, but then the uh, chapel played at what uh, manager of Harrogate Railway. He, he got me a job as well as playing for Harrogate, so that's, that's how I played for Harrogate there, yeah. A couple of seasons, I think, till so about 30, 38, something like that, but we're getting too much at that time. Did that feel like it had gone sort of full circle of your career? Because obviously, you, you, before you signed for York City, you were at Harrogate Railway. I did, yeah, yeah, it did. And funnily enough, probably most of the, the board at Harrogate Railway were great blokes. The majority of them were still there, so it was it just like going back again. So, yeah, it was a great, great club at Harrogate Railway. And, and just to sort of finish off, just, just some sort of final questions. What would you class as your best ever goal in your career? Doesn't have to be for York City, but uh, a, my best ever one. What that I think were, were my best one were uh, Bolton at home, and I'm going probably back to about '86. It were an equaliser in a game that it were a volley from edge of box, yeah, half volley, volley from edge of box, top corner. To gonna, but I've also got two or three that I realised when, when when I've chipped keeper. I remember getting one again in Halifax. You know, when keepers coming out, and I've chipped them. So a couple there. You can maybe look at the one against Liverpool, even though it were it were a weak shot. But you know, once I remember Liverpool and Chelsea, I think the yeah, my best one would have been Bolton, uh, Bolton Crescent. And um, who who was the best player that you ever played with and against? Well, the best players I played against, I'd, I'd say all Liverpool team. <laughs> See all them because the squad that they had that day. I mean, you've got Alan Allenson, Matt Lawrence, and Mark in you and that. So yeah, definitely they they were tough tough players to play against. And I suppose the best ones that I, I played with when I first went, John McPhail was a great player. I think John McPhail as a defender, he was a leader. Scott, he scored quite a few goals. Did John? 
and he could play as well. He could play. He could come out and play at a defensive. I think John McPhail's probably one of the best players I've played. Right? And uh, you, you've mentioned uh, Danny Smith and, and John Ward earlier. Who would be the best manager that you've played for? Would it would it come from one of those two? Yeah, definitely. Different in both ways. Different in both ways. I mean, like like I've said about John Ward. John Ward was superb when he came. Tactically, technically, you know, he'd walk you through it, tell you all about it. He he he, he, he were great at telling you that. Um, Danny Smith were, were were a different one. They were. He was a strong character with Dennis. He was a strong, but he made you believe that he could win every game as well because he was that type of person as a player. One they would with Dennis. Dennis had Viv Busby, who was a great bloke to have, you know, for forwards especially because he played at the highest level at, uh, at Viv. So when he, when he used to take the forwards and Dennis to take the the fullbacks and, and and defenders, I learnt so much off off Viv, Viv Busby. Uh, he was a great ball. But out of them two, I, I think I'd edge on saying Dennis Smith because he gave me my, my start in football career. And I saw him, I saw him a couple of year ago and it was really good to see him and what what was your favorite ever game that you played in is there any one i'm guessing it might be anfield but was there any particular game that you look back and you think you know i wish i if i could go back in time and relive one game in particular which game would it be i suppose it would have been a liverpool game as in we should have won it to go back there and be back there and, and referee not to disallow that goal we, we, yeah that would have been that would have been ideal would that yeah, I mean, everything about it was superb. I mean, every like I've said before. And I can always remember Dennis Smith getting uh, getting interviewed after the game at Anfield because previously they'd interviewed Kenny Daglish after the York game and he said, I've never seen a pitch like it in my life. We should never have played on that. And Dennis Smith, when they interviewed him at Anfield, he said, I wasn't happy about that pitch at all. He said, that was so flat for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always remember it, yeah. They weren't happy with it. Thank you, Tony. Absolutely brilliant to go over your memories of, of your time at York City. Hope you've enjoyed it. I have done it. Thank you for, for asking me to do it, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Tony was an absolute gentleman to speak to. Loved hearing his stories there. Uh, and I thought it was a poignant way to start this new series. Next week, we've got Ian Dunn coming up. Um, another really cracking episode that I'm, I'm sure people will enjoy. And um, Scott Kerr should be the week after that. And uh, we've also got a live event coming up, which I should have some sort of sort of ticket details and stuff like that by the time we get to the Scott Kerr episode. And, and there's other specials coming out as well. So it's a really exciting time getting engaged with the podcast at the minute. I'm really excited with, with the sort of plans we've got. As ever, we really do rely on donations. So Paul mentioned it in the voiceover at the start. If you want to kind of get in touch about sponsoring an episode or a series, it's outside.broadcast at yourcosmoradio.com. If you just want to donate, even if it's just, a, you know, some people in the past have donated a pound, which people might think is, is a little amount, but it doesn't matter. They all add up, and we're really grateful for anything that we get. So uh, it's just giving.com forward slash yourcosmoradio. So once again, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. And next, next episode should be out same time next week. Mm-hmm.